0: Hello everybody, this is Bill Knauer and you're listening to Author to Author where we talk about writing and life. Because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It is absolutely true. Yes it is people. Author to Author uh, is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet. we got articles on writing, writing life. i got a daily blog there where I write a few times a week about the intersection of creativity in our everyday life. Uh, we also have great video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. I fulfilled a childhood fantasy when I, or last a uh, couple weeks ago when I talked to one and only Terry Brooks, who uh, I read his book, The Sort of Sh**, uh, when I was but a boy. Oh, and I loved it. And now I got to talk to him many years later, and it's up there. Just went live yesterday, and you can uh, check it out at magazine.org. And we are funded by the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, support from pen to public since nineteen five. Have a great writers' conference at the PNWA. It runs the second September, just as good as you can get. Check it out at PNWA.org. Okay, uh, very quickly, I will be in. Portland this weekend yes I will at the uh, Willamette Writers Conference I'll be teaching fearless marketing for you writers who don't like to market we'll be dealing with the emotional side of marketing and also how to give a killer keynote because I do love to talk to people and a lot of writers don't like to talk to groups don't like to get up in front of strangers but I do so I'm going to teach you how to do it I hope uh, and I hope you're there I'm going to be on a panel Uh, as well. Anyway, it's going to be great. That's the Willamette Writers Conference. And if you want to be, if you're going to be in New York and you're going to the Writer's Digest big yearly conference, I'll be at that one too the following week. Yes, I will. Teaching fearless writing and more fearless marketing. So I hope I see you there. If you see me, say hello. I love to say hello to a lot of people. Okay, enough about me. Oh, I'm so glad this show worked out. Uh, Catherine Jagetti, if you don't know her... If you live in Britain, you might know her. Uh, She is uh, a British television presenter and an author with a background in science. She was first introduced to metaphysics uh, as a teenager by her mother, a former yoga teacher and education specialist. She developed a penetrating and enduring fondness for the self-empowering teachings of Neville Goddard and uh, remains just as steadfastly devoted to uh, spreading his message Today, she has been published in the internationally acclaimed science journal Nature, I'm sure you're familiar with that, and she has also presented two science series aimed at young adults in the UK, earning a BAFTA nomination, but we are going to be talking about her new book, Good One, yes it is, Infinite Possibilities, How to Use the Ideas of Neville Goddard to Create the Life You Want. Ah, Catherine, how you doing?
1: <laughs> I'm great, thank you Bill, great to be with you.
0: You know, so before every show, I say I lead in, you know, author to author about how what it takes to write the book you want to write is what, it, how, is what it takes to lead the life you want to lead, which I think is particularly applicable to today's conversation. Because, of course, to write the book you want to write, you've got to use your imagination. And uh, the work of Neville Goddard has a lot to do with saying imagination, harnessing your imagination is kind of what it's all about. Yeah. How you create Absolutely. that life that you want. Yeah. So let's let's uh, let's back up a little bit. You have a very interesting story uh, about sort of how you came to um, the ideas of Neville Goddard. Well, actually, let's back let's for those folks who don't know, never heard of Neville Goddard. Maybe tell us just a little bit about the guy himself. He was in the he was a U.S. writer, wasn't he?
1: Yes, he's actually English by heritage, uh, but ah, he was born in okay. the island of. He was born in, in Barbados or on the island of Barbados in 1905. And his family, they weren't the traditional wealthy colonial Europeans that had gone to settle in the Caribbean. They were a family of very modest means. And they were very beloved in the island and went on to become a family of prominence. But when Neville was a teenager, he left the island and traveled to New York because he wanted to become an actor and right, um, some right. sort of stage presence. So he was a, a very, he was a pioneering, had a pioneering spirit, if you know. like. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. he had some success but it, it didn't really turn into the career he had hoped for and later on as a younger, younger man he had a, a job working as an elevator assistant or something like that in a Macy's and you know five dollars a week <laughs> that kind of thing yeah. and yeah. he went on to meet this mysterious figure called Abdullah now there is some sort of argument about who Abdullah really was but that's not the point Neville described right. meeting this Ethiopian rabbi who taught him Kabbalah and occult mysticism and all of that, and taught him how to interpret the Bible. And he studied with this man for five years, and his ministry that he went on to become known for was birth. Now, Neville, you know, ascribes his understanding of of the law of imagination and the way it works to Abdullah's teachings, but it's important to know that his ministry itself was based purely on his own experience and things that happened to him as a result of his sort of techniques of meditation and prayer and all of that. He's an incredible person.
0: Right. And it's, you know, and for those listeners who aren't familiar with him, in many ways, um, at that time, there was a huge movement in the U.S. in particular, I think, around what's called New Thought. There was all, there's a lot of what, amounts to basically self-help books being written around the turn of the century. It was really, really an interesting time for people thinking differently metaphysically about life. But his writing is very interesting. They remind me a lot of what has been now called things like Law of Attraction um, and a lot of the works of, say, Abraham Hicks and these sorts of folks that's happening now. But this predates it by almost 100 years. Practi- well, maybe a little less than that. But uh, but it, would you say there's some connection between the way he works with thought and I don't know if you're familiar with law of attraction stuff and and, and that teaching.
1: Yeah, very familiar with the law of attraction. I think um, the law of attraction is the sort of the the young pretty cousin of Neville's teachings. Um, I think what what's uh, really interesting about Neville. You, you made a really good point. He, he came about at a time where America had gone through the Depression and people yeah. were just losing their minds and their lives in, in terrible yeah. numbers. And people had, had to turn their back on, on religion. And I say had to, they were desperate. They really needed a solution. And so all of these speakers that came up seemed to be offering something that inspired them and was really galvanizing the American public in a way that was absolutely necessary at the time. Yeah. I think the difference between Neville's work and people, who, people like Emmett Fox and other prominent speakers at the time was that Neville wasn't just talking about making the world a better place or how to get some money where there was no money (laughs) around. He was talking about the fact that this Great Depression was actually a very necessary event. He said that God takes human race through the fire to purify them and to actually uh, activate a process of awakening inside of them. And so all of his perspective and focus was to drive people towards the life that was to come. He was saying that this aspect that we're going through, the human side of stuff, was only temporary, and it was a precursor to something more important. And I think that's a clear distinction to make between what Neville was saying and what a lot of other New Thought speakers were saying at the time. Not to say they weren't spiritual, but Neville's emphasis was strongly on what happened after humanity, if you like. And I think the law of attraction that, that the, the thing there, it's about sort of how to acquire goodies, right? But Neville's talking about yeah. how to repossession yourself, reposition yourself as the source creator of your own experience.
0: Right, right. And, and uh, now, Catherine, you, speaking of going through fire, uh, you kind of went through it too, didn't you? You had your, you had your moment where you, uh, of spiritual darkness, where you kind of had to question it all for a moment because you hit a very dark time in your life. And from based on, on the part of the book, again, the book is called infinite possibility where you describe your own story. That seems like a critical, if if people were writing your story, not just Neville's, but Catherine's story. And if you had passed away and they were writing about your life, they, I think would point to that moment when you were in your mid twenties and went through a very rough time Mm -hmm. and had to make a decision about how you were going to lead your life. Is that true?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, It was one of those things where um, I felt I had been using Neville's philosophy for a long time or living by this philosophy for a long time, and it had become the framework of my existence, if you like. I'd I'd given up traditional religion, and this was my new system of belief. And it wasn't just something I believed, it was something I lived by, as I said. And so for me to suddenly go through one of the worst things that a person can go through, I suddenly felt, oh my God, I really don't know what I'm doing, and that's terrifying to me. And so the choice I was faced with was walk away and and turn your back on it or give it another go and I thought well as it says in the bible where do we go because you have the word of life so I thought all right Right. I have to go back over this thing you know I think it was my approach that was faulty not the philosophy (coughs) itself because I had had good success in using it but I just thought there had to be something wrong but what happened Bill as a result of me going back over what I thought I knew was a fine tooth comb Uh was that I found that I was getting stronger and more powerful and healthier and more emotionally stable. It was a really wonderful process for me. Yes, it was the catharsis to an extent, but the more important thing was that I came out the other side of that, knowing far more than I did before. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, I've interviewed – I interview all kinds of writers, memoirists, novelists, poets, but I also like to interview spiritual teachers for – that's the only word I have, really, because there's all variety. And almost everyone goes through what I call the, a death moment, it seems like, that they come out of, where they, they hit an absolute rock bottom. And it's from that that their teaching and their understanding is born. And I think you're no different. I think you're no different. And I think that's – and I, it's always very moving to me. And, um, and so let's talk about what this is, uh, just more practically. It's, it's about harnessing – it's about understanding that the imagination and thought is the source of creating your life, creating your reality. I mean, in a nutshell, yeah?
1: Absolutely. I mean, somebody was asking me the other day, like, how do you explain this in in scientific terms? And I thought, well, I don't really have a scientific (laughs) (laughs) explanation per se. But if you think about a force acting on matter and making matter perform according to what you're directing it to do. This is what's going on here. So we think about the most fundamental uh, units of existence, subatomic particles and I don't know if there's anything smaller than those. Okay, and if you think about your feelings, is that force? It could be you could actually... uh, say it's analogous to electricity or heat or something else, but it's a force that acts on matter and tells matter to take the shape that you are directing it to to, to take. And once you are able to actually understand how to do that, you literally pick and choose what you experience. Now, this doesn't mean that horrible things and good things and whatever are not going to exist outside of you. Of course they are, because we are here in a schoolroom, as Neville says, and you go to school and it has all its resources and what have you. And so you still have to take your courses and, and pass your tests, hopefully. But when you actually know how to apply this power to make it do what you say you want it to do, then you become the creator of your experience. You determine how you respond to the good things that happen and the traumas.
0: Yeah. And I think that, you know, one of my favorite descriptions of mastery is it's in my book, uh, Fearless Writing. But I, I describe a great Aikido master who, and it's about finding balance, which is that it's not about being off balance. You're going to get off balance, but it's about how quickly do you get back onto balance? And so if you so, yes, stuff's going to happen that you don't want. But it seems to me working with, you know, whatever your spiritual practice. And I think Goddard's, uh is a great one. Uh, how quickly. How quickly do you respond to the events or how or how much do you let the fact that the rejection letter came in or your boyfriend dumped you or you get get cancer or whatever it is completely floor you or do you have command over your thinking to bring yourself back to center back to your power back to who you are? Does that resonate with you?
1: Absolutely. I mean, that's a really good point. I was when I think about um, while you were talking, I'm thinking about my own process that I've gone through. There was a period for about five years in my life where everyone I met would say, oh, my God, you're so tenacious. And it wasn't that I was tenacious. I learned discipline of just staying co- uh, committed to the end result, doing their philosophy. Right. And so because of that, I was always living as though it were already a reality. So I didn't really All right, wait, notice wait. if you All
0: right. so let's let's pause right there. Like Sorry the time that it took
1: for it to in physical form.
0: Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt you briefly because I think this is critical, critical. It's you were living. See, writers, because writers, are, this is magazine, this interview shows often for authors, and they spend a lot of time wanting something, a book published, a re- an award, because there's always this focus on the future. And what you just said, which I think is so important, and I forget it all the time, is you lived as if it had already was already happening. Right. You were living as if it, it happened already. Describe that. How do you do that?
1: So, for me, I was thinking about this the other day. The form that took was doing interviews like this. So, I would ah. go to bed just doing interviews. They would just be popping up in my head, and I'm talking about this book. And this was before the book <laughs> was even complete, and I'd submitted the manuscript. But so strong was my feeling, I would say to my mother, who I talked to so often, that, Oh my goodness, I keep having these mental interviews all the time and I can't stop myself doing that but that was because I had in a meditation contacted the book being finished and so these interviews were going to be a natural part of that I didn't know who I would speak to or what I would say but it's interesting that the interviews I have now are playing out a lot of the interviews that took place in my imagination and so there was never any concern about this book being published even when the book was rejected initially it didn't concern me I knew it had already been published and so when the same publisher that rejected me contacted me and said, "Could you send the manuscript again?" I was like, "Sure." I was like, "Oh, I get the email and oh, we're offering you a deal and blah blah blah." And I was like, "Okay, cool." And they were like, "Oh, aren't you excited?" I thought, really, because I got my excitement back then when I knew this had happened. So that's the way it is for me. I was saying to someone today because people write to me a lot on on social media and what can I do? And I said, "You actually, you're trying to make this thing happen. This is not about willpower." all right. things already exist we just come in contact with them they might not be physical yet but they already exist and yeah. all you are required to do is to sense to and to commit to their reality
0: yeah i love that you know so i relate everything to writing often and i think i've got the scientific proof that this works would you like to hear it <laughs> Catherine? <laughs> no, no i'm serious okay it's 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 really axiomatic in a way which is so you like to write, too. I know that you learned early on you, you really enjoyed writing and you're very good at it. I love your voice in this piece. Um, but so if you're if I sit down to write, I have a blank page, right? I have to I literally have to create the reality because the page is blank and the reality is words in this case. Well, if I want to write about I've been writing a piece recently about how I met my wife. If I want to write about falling in love with her, I can't simultaneously think about being afraid of. This guy across the street from me. I can't think about war. I can't think about drugs. I have to think about falling in love with her. For me to get thoughts to create the reality of the story about falling in love with her. I have to think about the thing I about in order to write about the thing. If I think about the opposite thing, I don't get thoughts in order to write about. If you want to write about nature, you can't think about cartoons. You can't think about music. You have to think about the thing you're trying to write. And I don't think life is you can't sit around saying I want peace and think about war all day it just won't work. Does that Absolutely. make
1: sense? Is that proof? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That is good enough for me. All right, but good. Still, I just want to mention, that is the, the, the crux of this whole process. Neville talks about something called attachment, and I think it's become something quite complicated in people's minds, but it's just that. You have to let go of thing A so that you can connect with thing B, and it's as yeah. simple as that. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, it is. It, it, it reminds me, though, there's a, there's a nice teacher named um michael neal he's a local he's a american uh life coach and and teacher of something called the three principles and he talks about letting go he says it's really funny he said if you are holding a pen in your hand you wouldn't say how do i let go of the pen you just let go of it but if you have the thought i'm not good enough that one for some reason becomes more complicated to let go of because you think it's true. But in the end, letting go of it's just as simple as the pen. It's the same mechanism. It just seems more complicated. Because I'm sure you had to let go of some Mm. stuff, didn't you? You must have had to let go of a few thoughts that maybe you kind (laughs) of clung to. Yeah, like what? So give me an example. What's one that Catherine had to let go of?
1: I actually had to let go of thinking that I was ugly. And it was something that I had carried around with me for a really long time. And actually, it started to distort me. So, when I was younger, I suddenly found myself covered with acne, and no one in my family has acne. But it was (laughs) this belief that I was ugly to the point where I actually produced the the point the, the proof that there was something wrong with me. Yeah. And actually my mother said to me, There's nothing the doctor's gonna be able to do because I was, you know, going to the doctor and getting tablets right. and potions and potions yeah. And she said, You just have to let it go And I said, How do I do that? She said, every time you go in the mirror, just smile and say, Wow, look at my beautiful skin And I did that for about two years. I couldn't believe it. Now, no one believes my age. No one believes my skin. (laughs) They don't believe I don't wear makeup. But it was absolutely true. It was incredible. But that was something I had to let go of because it was shutting me down. And I'm not entirely sure where it came from, but I connected with it and I carried it around for a long time. And that's something that I actually refer to when I say to people. I use the exercise magic mirror in Chapter 2 you can yeah. actually let go just by attaching to something else.
0: I should say this book, it's it's a, I, I love this book because it's, I know this it's small. I, there's certain kinds of, of, I guess we'll call this self-help for lack of a better word. I do like it when they're small mm-hmm. and quick and simple and easy. And this one has a beautiful, easy, accessible voice where she explains where Catherine explains the, the techni- the, the philosophies, the, the sort of outlook on it. Plus there's some great, uh, uh, exercise, which I've already used, which I quite like. Uh, so, bravo on that. I like the way this book is laid out. Thank you. Now, you could become even wealthier than you already are, Catherine, if all you did was teach women how to let go of that horrible thought that plagues. I bet. <laughs> I, I'm serious. That stupid, awful thought that I think plagues so many women. Men have their own version of it, it just as suicidal and awful. It has success, but for, I think for women, that thought of ugliness haunts them don't you think maybe maybe it's just me i think absolutely. it's absolutely i think it's a plague. <laughs> it, it
1: really does but i i actually had something i mean at one point the gp my doctor said that he thought i had that condition and um, body oh, yeah, yeah. something and the body just morphic. i don't know if i had that or not i just knew that yeah this thing was crippling me it was shutting me down and i know a lot of women feel the same way so yeah maybe yeah. that's something to look into
0: <laughs> well you know it'd be great i mean because i just think it's a well, I, I think it, I think it runs deep. I think it has to do with people's relationship just to the body itself. And maybe they're wishing they were more spiritual. I, I think I can go very deep on that sometimes, but, but okay. Yeah. So, so uh, you've been working with this and pe- and do you, do you work with in people? Do you like, do you give workshops on this? Do you teach it? Cause I know you have your, your career, your sort of public career, but do you also teach it as much as you can to people?
1: I mean, I don't. I just realized that this sort of six, seven weeks that this book's launched, and and I get asked that such a lot. Um, Are you doing lectures and all of this? And I'm saying, okay, I have to think about this now, because um, I'm trying to get through emails. I've been overwhelmed with messages about people asking me to explain things or to help them with things. I had no idea that it was going to have this impact. So I'm actually... Just right now, Bill, trying to wait answer a minute. all the
0: messages. Wait. Oh, this is hilarious. <laughs> okay, so just to be clear, because this is, you know, the publishing world, is all kinds of crap that floats around the publishing world. And one of them is you can't publish the kind of book you just published without some massive platform. Uh, in other <laughs> words, you know, you've got 10,000 dedicated Facebook followers who can't wait for your latest bit of wisdom about Neville Goddard. But you're saying, no, you didn't have any of that. You just have a really good book. I
1: had nobody. I think at the oh, time I my got my book I had like seventeen Twitter followers or something. Oh and Jesus just a handful Christ. of friends. <laughs> All right. So but
0: you knew Mitch Horowitz. Did you know Mitch Horowitz? Because oh, Mitch yeah, Mitch I mean, is I, nuts a, for Neville Goddard.
1: Yeah, I mean I was a huge fan of his work and that's the thing that attracted me to him. And so um uh, when he actually acquired the book it was it was fascinating. But I said Am I not supposed to, like, have this huge social media following or some sort of evidence that I have an audience? And I think – I don't know if that played into it. He just loved it. He really loved the book. When I first showed it to him, it wasn't ready. Other publishers said no. It wasn't that I turned it around. It was kind of – Mitch was saying, okay, try this person, try that person, because, you know what, Penguin, are not going to go for this. Um, Right. But – I was not – well, I I wouldn't say I wasn't expecting it. (laughs) I would say I was quietly confident that this book would get published, whether I was completely anonymous or not. (laughs) Okay.
0: I love it. I love that because, oh, God. And so what convinced him – I'm just curious. I mean, I know what convinced him. It was the the principle of Neville Goddard. It just was in in action. But what did he tell you had changed, that he said – uh, we've thought about it and we decided we don't care that you have a, we don't have a platform. What switched in their mind? Do you know?
1: He said once to me that I was the greatest in evolutionary in the world and that um, I was bringing this work back to life and it's going to have a massive impact on people's lives. Um, I, I try not to think about that because I feel if I start to think about that, I'll interfere with that process right, and I'll shut right. it down because where I'm sitting, I'm saying, okay, how am I going to do that? That's not yeah, possible yeah, yeah. and I have to stay committed to the fact that if that is what i'm supposed to do then it's already happened and that's how i right. live that's how i do everything
0: <laughs> you know so, um, i had a hindu swami tell me seven years ago before i was ever talking to anyone about anything i was i got on a rant talking about creativity and spirituality he said people are going to pay a lot of money to hear you teach and i thought what you tell me how and i feel like he was right and I kind of feel the same way. Like but I got to not think about her. I'm just going to muck it up, you know. I'll just mm-hmm. get between me and that thing happen. I felt he was absolutely right. I know it sounds vain, but I felt he's right. I think people would but I was like how do you get that to happen? You kind of just got to get out of the way, don't you?
1: Absolutely. And I, and this is one of the things that it took me a long time. So I don't pretend it's easy to do straight yeah. away, but you Learn to discipline yourself to just accept that things are true and that what we call desires or wishes or wants are actually awarenesses of things that have become available to us. And what we're required to do is to allow ourselves to be used to give that thing its opacity, if you like, to give it its physical form. I kind of think about if you had, I don't know, some substance and you pour liquid through it, the liquid changes as it pours through that substance and it becomes something else. I kind of just see myself in that way.
0: Yeah, you've you got to be teaching because you you've got a very clear connection to this stuff for someone who has never taught it. You've, I hope you do teach workshops because I think you'll be dynamite at it. I do. And I actually, <laughs> let me, I take it back. I think you're going to like it. I think you're going to have a lot of fun okay. doing it. No, I'm serious. It's Thank dynamic. You. It is so dynamic when you start teaching these things you've written about and it, it, you learn more about it and people come to you with these questions you would never think to ask, and they ask them, and it makes you go deeper into it, I hope you do it, because I think you'll kill at it. I think you will. Uh, you heard it here first, or maybe second. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I do. I, you've got a really great connection to this stuff, and there's a lot of good writers who don't know how to talk, and there's a lot of people, good talkers who don't know how to write. You know, Sometimes things don't cross over, but I think you can do both. So there you go. You have my endorsement, if it means anything to you at all.
1: It means a lot. Thank you.
0: Oh, good. All right. Well, all right. So, what? So, so you've got this thing out there, and you've been hearing from people. Now, have you heard from the? Uh, well, you probably don't hear from the people who say
1: this is all crap. What do you say? This is a,
0: Do you get any of that kind of stuff, or is it just people appreciating it?
1: Um. So far, it's people asking questions. People asking me to do things for them. To. to- do prayers for them. Um, I haven't ha, had anyone being really? critical, but I, yeah, but I've had people saying that they're really scared to trust it and really scared to believe yeah, so what I do with sure. those people I say before I jump in and help you in any way what you need to understand is that you have to reach the point where you believe this is possible for you because if you don't yeah. believe that no one's going to really be able to help you and even if I were to bring about a, a, a shift in your life or help you get some money or whatever it is it's only going to be temporary because that money right. going to come through who you're consciously aware of and so if you're consciously aware of the fact that whenever you have money you lose it that going to be the case for you again. So I try to encourage people. I say, look, just work. let's work together for a week of you just actually beginning to accept that, yes, this is possible. And then if it's necessary, yes, then I'll help you. But by that time, usually people find, okay, wow, I'm growing in confidence because this isn't about me. This is about every individual remembering that they already have this ability and they have to activate it for themselves.
0: That's right. I, you know, when I kind of made the shift over on this stuff, I came by route of a different teacher, but it's the same, very similar stuff. It was, you know, you creating your own reality using your thinking. I thought, well, there's two, two kind of views of life. One, life is something that happens to you. You know, a bunch of stuff happens to you. You deal with it, but you're kind of a pinball being bounced around this physical universe and just deal with it and don't complain too much and be a grown up. And that's sort of one view. And like, there's nothing you can do about it. It's all random and coincidence and blah, blah, blah. And the other is you create your own reality. And I thought I would prefer my own reality. So let's see if it's true. Cause I don't, I'm not interested at all in the other one. Cause I have no control over it. At least with this, I have some, it's my own thinking. If there's one thing I have control over, please. It's what I think. And so that's my way in, if you will. Does that mm-hmm. make sense?
1: it's absolutely the same principle that I'm talking about here. And yeah. it's wonderful that you get confirmation from so many different angles, because what I'm saying Oop. to people, is, it's not Neville's message, anybody's message, but these are the voices. These are the people that allowed themselves to be, you know, to echo this to humanity. So it's fantastic that you said it. And it's the same thing.
0: It is. It is. Well, Catherine, I'm so glad I got to talk to you before you became too huge to be on this show. Cause I think that's coming. So, <laughs> But I was here at the start and I'm very excited. I think you're doing great stuff. And uh, if you want to hear people criticize it, make a YouTube video and that'll give them a chance to say all the horrible <laughs> things they want to about this. But in the meantime, enjoy the love because uh, I think you deserve it. Uh, well, we all do, but but you do for what you're putting out there. Okay. So this has been too brief a conversation, but I got to wrap it up. But before I let you go, well, a couple things. First, all right, people listening to this, they think this woman's I want to – what do they do? Where do they go to learn more about – because you don't have a website. You don't even have a website. I had to get the information about you from Penguin. (laughs) For God's sakes, woman. Are you going to make a website?
1: (laughs) Um, I'm sure I will at some point. Um, Penguinrandomhouse.com. You can search for me under authors. Just type in my name, Catherine Jagede, J-E-G-E-D-E, and they can connect with me on Facebook. Just search for me by my name.
0: Oh, my God. Get yourself – get a website, (laughs) please. All right. It will all happen. Okay doesn't even have a website that's amazing you know what i'm glad you don't have a website it just flies in the face of everything i have to listen to all the time okay i got one more one more question for you uh and it's this it's this uh i mean you're not just a teacher you're also a writer uh and so finish this question if writing has taught you anything it's taught you
1: oh that there is no one in the world like me <laughs> <laughs> It's true. It's true.
0: Oh, I love you, Catherine. You're great. I'm so glad we got you on this show, uh, and I wish you all the best. I'm going to email. Uh, I'm going to email our friend Mitch and say you picked right with her.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Bill. I had a great time.
0: I had a great time too. Take it easy.
1: Everybody. Take it easy. Okay. Bye bye.
0: But yes, people, there is no one like you. It's true. No one's ever lived what you lived. Said what you said. Thought what you thought. Kissed you, kissed. Lost you, lost. It's never happened. It's never happened. No, it hasn't. So you got to tell your story. Okay. I will be back next week. Yes, I will talk to somebody. Who will I be talking to? Dan Fes- Fesperman. Yes. He's always a good suspense writer. Very interesting. Until then, ah, uh, go do something you love.